Good morning, church. How y'all doing? So I have one rule for all you white folks. Um, my wife's white, so I have a little bit of a pass. Um, but so I just get that out the way. I'm black. You're white. We love each other, right? Is that cool? Um, so I have one rule. Um, I don't want to preach more than you amen, because if, if I preach more than you're amening me, and the only way that I know you, you, you agree with what I'm saying, even if you don't, shake your head like this if you don't. You know. Not right now, when I, after I'm done. <laughs> like, after I'm done, you could do that with your spouse on the way home. Uh, but this morning, just like this, okay? Uh, and amen. Like if something in, on, in, on the inside of your heart is like, oh, Jesus, that was good. And, and he said something that made me think, just say, just don't be afraid to say amen, brother. Slap your spouse, whatever you want to do. Uh, in love. So, hey, I am excited to be here, and can we give your senior pastor a round of applause uh, for the work that God has uh, done in and through him? Such a joy being here, and as I, as I pulled in today, folks, I, I'll just be quite honest. I just felt the presence of God, and as I was Facebook stalking you last night and uh, stalking your website to figure out what I can steal and put on mine, uh, I found a word there called presence. And I love that because, as, as he said, what makes this place, this place holy, it's his presence, right? And as we congregate together as the people of God, we get to worship Jesus today and we get to worship him in word. So I just want to say again, thank you so much for having uh, me today and uh, look at your neighbor and say neighbor neighbor out loud say neighbor, neighbor. well already one person is disobeying she's like <laughs> say I'm all in I'm all in can you open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 11 it's a favorite scripture of mine and I'll tell you why here in a little bit Mark chapter 11 and we're going to read a a passage of scripture that's fairly controversial if you're normal. Now, all the people who are not normal, and this, is, um, this passage of scripture does not uh, somehow rock your boat and maybe rock what you understand about God, there will be counseling in the back by Joe Slayball, okay? <laughs> okay, Mark chapter 11, verse 12 says, The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Now I'm from North Omaha, so I'll put a little bit of Ebonic on it. Jesus was hungry. Everybody say hungry. Hungry is not hangry, but he was hungry. Right? Hungry is a deeper level. Hunger is like you're fasting, and you're like, Jesus, why in the world am I doing this? Right? So he was hungry. And it says, seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf. Now, it's interesting because what's about to happen next will rock you. It says he went to find out if it had any fruit. Went to find out if he had any fruit. And, and he goes and he, and he finds out. It says when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves. Repeat that after me. He found nothing but leaves. He was disappointed because it was not the season for figs. And, and here's, here's where all the counselors in the building will, would have sat Jesus down. He looks at the fig tree and he says this. Now, half of you would have left Jesus at this point. 
including me. I will, I will be that half. But he speaks to the fig tree and he says, may no one ever in his, in his mafia voice, does anyone know the mafia voice that Jesus is talking? He looks at him, he, he looks at the tree and he says, in his deep voice from heaven, you know, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And then the piano went, dun, 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 right? And it says, and his disciples heard him say it. Now, part of me wants to know why Big Mouth Peter isn't saying anything right now. And all the extroverts in the building right now would have stopped Jesus, would have sat him down for some type of psychological failure as he's speaking to a tree. Now, does anyone see something wrong with that? All the saved people were like, no, Pastor Myron, it's Jesus. No, it's wrong, man. So he just walks off. He does a mic drop. You ever been listening to the pastor and he says something amazing and everybody is quiet and you don't want to say amen because he's maybe calling on your stuff, you know. Jesus does this mic drop and walks off. Doesn't give a lesson, doesn't give a teaching, doesn't do anything to help them get some context for what in the world is happening. And all because Jesus threw a tantrum because he couldn't eat. And verse, verse 20 goes on to say, after 24 hours later, they're coming back by the same tree and says in the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Now Peter has something to say. Verse 21. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the, the fig tree you cursed has withered. The same fig tree that had leaves on it. And if you're not familiar with this setting, to have leaves in Palestine at this time means that there's fruit on the tree. And yet he curses it and Peter has something to say. And he says, the fig tree you cursed has withered. And Jesus responds and turns this into a Bible study. And he says, have faith in God. That's how Jesus responds. He says, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea. So he changes the object lesson from the tree to something bigger. And he's trying to get them to understand something about life, even when he's dealing with something as simple as a tree. And so he changes the object lesson to a mountain. And he says, you could say to this mountain, be thrown into the sea. And if you don't doubt in your heart, but believe that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. And then he says, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive so that your father in heaven may forgive you. The title of my message today is when life hands you leaves. Figure it out. <laughs> Say that with me. When life hands you leaves figure it out. No, don't steal that. I've copywritten that. It's already, I already started a business, you know, off of it. When life 
hand you leaves, when you are expecting something to happen that disappoints you, figure it out. We're on a series called All In, and one of the things about being all in is that life will throw a curveball. Life will give you, offer you lemons. Life will and is full of storms and challenges and things that will happen that will absolutely floor us. It's interesting, we have advice for people when they go through something, but forget that we need that same advice when we go through it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So this is, this, is a big, uh, this is a big thing because what Jesus is trying to teach us is that even though we say we're all in, and even though a uh, pastor preaches an amazing message, he inspires us, we're ready to go change all of Bennington and the surrounding areas so that they can know Jesus. And then all of a sudden, when, when our life is compromised by challenges, the temptation to give in to us being all in is now on the table. It's now we're being confronted with it, and yet Jesus gives us a way out so that we can maintain being all in. And I'm here to tell you, if we look at the surrounding areas of things that are flooding, and these words and verbiage of Nebraska strong and houses are underwater and all of a sudden we're in a state of emergency that we didn't really, you know, we didn't realize as, as a community. And it's very easy. It's very easy to be discouraged. And it's very easy for the wind to be knocked out of us. It's very easy to be disappointed. But Jesus offers us a way to deal with the fact that we, by life, will be handed leaves. And we sometimes expect things to happen the way we want them to happen. And yet Jesus gives us some action steps on how, when life hands us leaves, to figure it out. My mama, growing up, when she had me, I was 16 years old. I'm from North Omaha, Nebraska. And when she had me, she was in the middle of a drug habit that almost took her out, crack cocaine, once it hit North Omaha, uh, had become something that families uh, could not deal with. And, and in the middle of that, uh, the crack cocaine boom was what came behind that was heroin. And so you can imagine me being a kid in North Omaha uh, with a mom on crack cocaine and a dad on heroin, who was not a part of my life. I was on Facebook the other day. Uh, I pray for me. I'm on there too much. Uh, this lady, show, on a, in a picture, she showed, anybody ever heard of spades? Okay, two of you, bad illustration. Anyway, <laughs> I'm scrolling on Facebook. You, you played cards before, right? Okay, okay, stop it. Say yes, amen, okay. All right, thank you. And so I'm scrolling, and then there's, there's this lady with this, this spade hand of, you know, 13 cards, and she's, she's asking us, how many, you know, how many cards do you see? How many books do you see that you can win with this, with this? And I'm looking, I'm like, six for sure. 
Other people are saying four. Some people are saying five. And I put, I see six and a possible, right? And when I was born, and if you were to ask me that question, how many books do you see? Is this a winning hand was the question she was asking. And I, I'd venture to say I wasn't born with a winning hand. Jesus is venturing out to look at this fig tree. He assumes that he has a winning hand. He assumes that his need is going to be met based on what he sees. And oftentimes, sometimes in life, the rose-colored view that we have, I'm going to marry Mr. Wonderful. You know who Mr. Wonderful is. He's on the Shark Tank, you know. I hope you don't want to marry Mr. Wonderful, you know. And I'm going to marry Mr. Wonderful, and he's going to sweep me off my feet, whatever that means, like that, right? And I'm going to have this, I'm doing marriage counseling right now, and, uh, and one of the young ladies, she's just dreaming up all the things that she wants to happen in her wedding, and she's not even talking about what she wants to happen in her marriage. She thinks she has a winning hand, and I venture to say she does, however, when you don't have a winning hand and you're trying to play the cards that you're dealt, it's quite easy to give in to not being all in. And so as I'm born into this life where the, the, the hand that I was dealt wasn't favorable, you can imagine the trajectory of a kid who didn't have the support who didn't have the emotional support, the family support. What do you do when you don't have support? You're definitely not all in. What do you do when you don't feel like you're set up for success? What do you do when you arrive at a destination expecting to get your needs met and they're not met? Well, we see what Jesus does. He starts cussing, you know. No one's going to ever eat from you again. You know, when things come our way that is outside of our control, how we respond ultimately is is what we end up exposing, what we believe about a situation. And so as I grew up, 12, 13, I got involved in gangs. And at one time, North Omaha was dubbed the most dangerous place for an African-American to live. And once you get involved in gangs, what comes with gangs is drugs, and what comes with drugs is you're in and out of jail. Because we believe, and I thought, that if I can get to the right tree, if I can just get enough, I was on my way here, Pastor, I was on my way here, and I was thinking about uh, how often in our culture true identity or becoming somebody is based on the prestige or the power or the influence or the affluence that one may have. Our culture has made that the very thing that we've defined as being somebody. And I just had this moment with God, man, and I just thought, you know, God, I never want to be a person to chase notoriety at the expense of missing who you've called me to be. And my question to you this morning is, as you approach the leaves in life, as things are offered you and put on your plate, how are you going to figure it out? Some people figure it out by saying, 
I'm just going to leave the church. Pastor got in my business today. I'm going to just leave my spouse. I'm leaving Facebook. I'm going to fast Facebook. I'm like, that's just dumb. How are you going to fast Facebook? When life hands you leaves, Jesus teaches us how to figure it out. When life had handed me leaves, the way that I thought that I would figure it out is to try to become somebody so I can feel good about myself. And so as we identify with that which can't give us what we need, we end up on this roller coaster ride in life and decisions that need not be made end up being made. And so I'm standing in front of the judge at the age of 15 now, I'm in and out the youth center. And he looks at me and he, I'm facing 100 years in the penitentiary and he looks at me and he says, young man, today I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna let you off the hook and I hope that your life gets better. That's like getting a, a deck of cards and you get, you're getting dealt a hand hoping that you had somebody else's hand. I don't know if you've ever been there before wishing your life was somebody else's because the life you were experiencing, the life you was experiencing is not the life you want. He looks at me and he says, young man, I'm going to give you today a two to three year sentence in prison. And off I went. Off I went to prison the age of 16 and it was in prison that I would go to a chapel and sit way at the back see I didn't grow up in church I didn't really like church people I don't know if you've been there before but I just thought church was for people who were trying to get out of get out of jail free you know like save you from going to hell or some crazy stuff like that right and then I really didn't like church because the pastor would tell me I couldn't wear my Jordans the devil is a liar Keep your hat off, son. First of all, you ain't my daddy. Right? But I spend time in the penitentiary, and I'm in the back every once in a while listening to the preacher say this. Here's what he says. God has a plan for your life. He loves you. And so the question that I'm analyzing just like Jesus was analyzing the tree. Question, how does God love me when my mama was a prostitute? And how does God love me when my dad wasn't in my life? And I couldn't reconcile that reality. So I couldn't be all in because the cost of serving a God I could not see at the expense of the, of the hurt I was experiencing was unbearable. And we see Jesus, as he approaches the tree, analyzing the situation. And I'm here to tell you, when life hands you leaves, the best way to figure it out, as I see and surmise from the scripture, is you have to analyze your situation when you're on the brink of a divorce or when you're going through some type of addiction and when you're and when you're vacillating between whether or not I stay in this walk with Jesus or if I consider this spiritual walk of life in Christ you have to first look at what's going around I heard somebody said like this you can't conquer what you don't confront you can't confront what you don't identify amen
I'm getting excited now. And as I sat at the back of the chapel, man, I would analyze my life and yet weigh the cost. And as I spent 14 months in the penitentiary, I got out and, you know, I'm right back. I'm right back on the streets trying to go to trees, trying to get out of this life what only God could actually give me. I don't know if you've been there where you've tried to maybe if I make this amount of money and if I hit this tax bracket, if I get this person to say yes to me at the altar, if I, if I just have a kid, you know, maybe that would meet the need in my life. If I would just try to keep up with the Joneses and the Pierces, maybe I could actually find some validity to my life. Maybe I would feel better about myself, and yet that's not enough to actually sustain you. When life hands you leaves, you got to figure it out. And one thing that I see with Jesus is he's analyzing his situation. Most people would rather run from their situation. Ask God to deliver them from their situation. Ask God to rescue them from their situation. I told my church last week, I don't think God is interested in rescuing you. We've built a theology around God rescuing us. When in actuality, he wants to transform us while we're going through so that when I come out, I don't go back. And that's good preaching. And so for five months, I'm out, the, I'm out, I'm out of jail, I'm out the penitentiary, and, and right, right, right on the five-month mark, you know, March 21st, 2002, at one o'clock in the morning, I'm right back in the, in the jail cell facing 200 years in the penitentiary. And that's when everything changed. I had gotten tired of life handing me leaves. I had gotten tired of growing up in an environment where at the age of 18, you're most likely not to make it. And somehow on March 21st at, at, at one o'clock in the morning after getting caught and arrested, I got on my knees like this after making two phone calls. I hope I can get back up in these skinny jeans. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. I know better. I said, God, I'm destroying my life. Analysis. Jesus goes to the tree. No fruit. Until we analyze our situation, God can't elevate a solution. God, I'm destroying my life. And oftentimes, when there's no fruit on the tree, it's not because he don't want to provide for us. It's because he's teaching us a larger lesson that, we'll, that we will need 24 hours later. Most of us are experiencing things in our lives, and we're like, God, why is the fruit not here? Why am I not experiencing what you said I could experience in your word? Why don't I have the joy? Why am I just doing the Christian thing and coming to church, and I see this in the pastor, and I see joy in him, and I see this fervor for people to come to know Christ but I don't have that same fervor it feels like I'm missing something and all I'm getting leaves God 
I'm destroying my life. I love that song the worship team was singing today. Reckless love. God, I'm destroying my life. But if you change me, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. It's time to try to get back up. I did it. When's the last time you analyzed your situation? How do you respond when, when life hands you leaves? Jesus teaches us how to figure it out. He teaches us that we must first analyze our situation. In analyzing our situation, we're left with one conclusion. This is bigger than me. Jesus was trying to teach his disciples that in life as my followers, I'm calling you to be all in. But that doesn't mean peaches and cream and strawberries. I'm keto, so I can't have that fruit. That doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that you're going to be expectations that you're having in your life. It doesn't mean that you might not show up one day and realize that you're out of love with your spouse. It doesn't mean that your, your kids that you raised in church and they, they sang all the Awana songs, you know, they know all the veggie you know doesn't mean that one day they won't decide I don't want God it just means that when life hands you leaves you have to first analyze your situation Jesus does something utterly peculiar and he imagine this is a fig tree Jesus is hungry he goes up to the fig tree Analyzes the situation. The fig tree sent a message to Jesus a mile back. The message was Golden Corral is open, right? He gets to Golden Corral. The management gives him a different story. I'm sorry, sir, we're out of order. Jesus does something at Golden Corral. Nobody's ever coming to Golden Corral again, ever. Walks away. And everybody's quiet because they're wondering whether or not he has all of his marbles. But it's an object lesson for us that when life hands us leaves, the best way to figure that out is to exercise our authority. And sometimes the Christianity that we grew up in helps us think that we're victims and that somehow this is all the way outside of my control. I'm here to tell you today that there are things, yes, that are outside of your control, but when things happen to you that are outside of your control, it's good to remember as a reminder what Jesus told us that I have given you authority. You're my children. You're royalty. You're ambassadors. You have a mandate. You have power. Do you know whose kids you are? 
I look at my boys when they go to school and we have our devotion time, and I say, do you know who you are? Like, Dad, first of all, why are you screaming? Oh, that's what black people do. We like to scream. He's like, oh, thank you, Dad. I said, you're a pierce. You know what it means to be a pierce? Yeah, Dad. Means that we're great at listening. Means that we're great at learning. Means that we're great at leading. Means that we're great, you know, preachers come up with all these type slogans and things that come, you know, leading, loving, lift, you know, all these things. And I tell them who, who they are. And Jesus wants us to know in the scripture, when life hands you leaves, the best way to figure it out is to remember who you are. And as you remember who you are, you can exercise your authority. He speaks to the tree. So when I got 14 to 30 years in the penitentiary, at the age of 18, without parole, and I'm leaving the courtroom, and I, I hear a whisper from God. I don't know if you've ever had one of those whispers where it just whispers to you. And he said, I'm going to get you out of prison. I said, I'm hearing things. I'm going crazy. And I get to the penitentiary in Lincoln. And I'm reading Mark 11. And I saw Jesus speak to the fig tree. I said, I'm going to start speaking to the locks. Got up every day, went to the cell door that was locked. My roommate would sleep. I would only do this when he was sleeping. <laughs> Quietly, I say, you got to let me go. And go back to bed. He let me out of my cell. I go to the walls around like the walls of Jericho and Lincoln Correctional Center. And I would just sing the song. It's a new season. It's a new day. A fresh anointing is coming my way. It's a season of power and prosperity. It's a new season and it's coming to me. And I found out when I was reading God's word that I was a free man waiting to be released. What was I doing? I was exercising my authority. And what happens when life hits you is we assume that we've lost what God has given us. That's just good preaching right there. We assume that we are no longer under the auspice of his of his amazing power. No, nothing about that changes when life hits you. You're still a child of God. You're still called by God. You're still a representative of God. You're still actively his child regardless of when life hands you leaves. And I found out that I could exercise my authority from a prison cell. And I found out once that I knew the will of God. See, the will of God for the fig tree was to thrive. The will of God for the fig tree was to produce. The will of God for the fig tree was to provide nourishment. Because once you know what the will of God is, it gives you the courage to stand up. It gives you the ability and the audacity to say, no, this will not always be like that. I will out-survive my problems because of who God created me to be. I will stand in the face of every storm and decide that I'm still all in if I never see God. Come on, Job. Come on, Peter. Because you, after all, know when things hit the fan, you denied Jesus. You forgot who you were. But Jesus came back and reminded you Reminded you of not only who you were, but reminded you of what he gave you, Peter. 
Peter's now able to stand up at Pentecost and preach the gospel to thousands of people because he was reminded that he had authority. Life will always try to hand us leaves. But as his children, we can follow the model of figuring out by analyzing what really is going on and God, what are you saying? But secondly, being audacious enough to exercise the authority he's given us to speak to those things that are speaking to us. When depression hits you, the joy of the Lord is my strength. When you don't feel adequate, I am a child of God. When sickness hits your body, by his stripes I'm healed. Maturity the way you know you're maturing in the Lord is looking at how you respond to your storms. I'm a free man waiting to be released. The guards would laugh at me. They're like, you're crazy. It's time for you, A. I get up. God is my light. God is my light. God is getting me out the penitentiary. I'm what, listen, I would say crazy stuff like this. I would get in the mirror, you know, my cell was like six by eight. I get in the mirror and I'd say, thank you for coming to church today. And I respond, you're welcome. <laughs> and I'll preach a message to myself. What was I doing? I was exercising my authority. Because I knew from a prison cell that God had called me to preach the gospel. I knew from a prison cell that God had called me to be a pastor. Listen, when life hands you leaves, you have to be reminded of what you're called to. That gives you the permission to exercise your authority. And so for seven months straight, I got up and said, I'm a free man waiting to be released. And they would just laugh at me. Seven months later, caseworker called me to the office handed me a letter it's from the state of Nebraska Myron Pierce 55089 we're pleased to tell you today that we've changed your prison structure your prison sentencing structure your new release date is 2008 2018 all the way down to 2008 who in here needs to return to exercising their authority? Who in here needs to stand up to the Goliaths? Who in here needs to speak to the fig trees? Who in here needs to announce to the mountains truth that God is for you and not against you? One of the things that I see Jesus doing is prioritizing his conviction. What do I mean? Jesus said it like this. If you don't doubt in your heart, but believe that those things you say, it will come to pass and it will be done for you. There are some things that God wants to do for you. But as we co-labor with him as sons and daughters from a place of rest, miracles begin to happen. Almost seven years later, I got out of the, out the penitentiary. Met a white dude from Iowa named Ron Dostler who planted churches in, in the inner city hired me out of work release, gave me a job. I didn't even know I was being interviewed by him. He wanted a meeting, it was an interview. Three months after getting out, we launched Bridge Church in North Omaha in the same neighborhood I grew up in. 
When life hands you leaves, you can figure it out, beginning with looking and analyzing your situation, but then from that, drawing your authority to exercise what God is doing because you have the plan. You know where he's taking you. Even if you don't have the whole staircase, Martin Luther King says, you can still take one step at a time. And Jesus tells us that we have to prioritize what we believe, prioritize what he says about us. It has to be at the forefront of our minds, our hearts, and our mouths. Because that's how the kingdom of God works. No, I'm not talking about name it and claim it, nab it and grab it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a core conviction that's centered around a man named Jesus who has a plan for your life like he has a plan for mine. Life will hand us leaves, but we will figure it out with his help. After years of being out the penitentiary, been married for 10 years, four beautiful kids, eight and under. She can't keep her, you know, her hands off me, you know, stuff like that happens. <laughs> I've helped plant six churches over the last 10 years, three books, three businesses, thousands of people have come to Christ but not without life handing me leaves. One of the gifts of being from North Omaha is resiliency. I wonder what gifts will come out of the leaves life hands you. And I wonder what gift God wants to give you if we could follow after the template that Jesus gives us. I do know this. I, I do know the outcome. I can't specifically say what will happen to you in your life, but here's the outcome. Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask, think, or imagine according to the power that is at work within me. When life hands you leaves, you can figure it out as we look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I pray that this word encouraged you. Pray that it blessed you. Pray that it gave you fresh hope to not faint, <laughs> grow weary, but to keep being all in. Amen.